Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Drive Team podcast. I'm Winston. And I'm Ev. We are your hosts on the new podcast, All About Vex Robotics. In every episode, we will be talking with a member of the Vex community about their journey and experiences. We will hear about their years as a participant or their time as a coach and share some insight into the world of Vex Robotics. In this first episode, we'll be joined by Kevin Bonish, former VRC competitor and now the founder and president at Robosource.net. Join us as we talk with Kevin, looking back at his fascinating career involved in robotics. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for joining us on the first episode of the Drive Team podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. That's great to hear. So why don't you start us off by telling us a bit about yourself and some of your experiences? Yeah, I'm the founder and president at Robosource, and I've also been involved in robotics for quite some time now. So what is Robosource? If you're not familiar with what we do, um, basically our goal is kind of to be a one-stop source for anyone that's participating in X Robotics and is looking for anything they need that's not a VEX part. So you would get your VEX electronics, metal kits, whatever you need, obviously from VEX. And then you can come to RoboSource to find any tools, hardware, and other things like plastic sheets that you might need. So I first started with First Lego Leap. Um, did that for a few years. Uh, then I was involved with VEX Robotics competition through high school. And then after high school, when I went to college, I obviously am, I'm still running RoboSource um, and, and still involved in that sense. And also volunteering both with the First Lego League and the VEX Robotics competition you know, at some events throughout the year. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that you first started in First Lego League. Um, Why did you start robotics there? Yeah, so it actually started with a, a Lego Mindstorms camp that I did at a place called Fast Cats back home in Toronto, Canada. And, and that was, was actually the predecessor to the Pylons VEX team, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. Um, before, before their organization that they're based out of EBOS existed, uh, John and Pam, who run the place, um, and I've got to give them a shout out. They're really great people. Some of the best people I know, to be honest. Uh, they ran a place called Fastcast that was doing model RC car racing. So they had like a model RC car racetrack and a little shop. Um, and then on the side, they started doing some robotics camps. And that's how I first got involved. Um, did a camp, really liked it, and then took part in their first Lego League team and kind of stuck with it as as I went through the years, did first Lego League, starting with the Smart Move Challenge through to the Senior Solutions Challenge. Uh, and then when I went to high school, um, at my high school, they didn't have a VEX Robotics team at the time. But myself, a couple of our friends and a teacher worked together to start a new team there. And I was part of that team for two years, starting with Toss Up, which personally is my favorite uh, VEX game, but probably a little bit biased there, um, and Skyrise. Mm-hmm. And both those years, we made it to the world championship, um, which was really cool, especially for a first year brand new team. We had a lot of fun with it. And then after that, I started a community of X robotics team um, with a couple of, couple of friends that didn't have a VEX team at their school. Uh, it was a, it was a small team. There's about four or five of us on average working out of my basement for the most part. 
Uh, at one point, we had a VEX field set up in our living room, taking up the entire living room. So I know my mom was not a huge fan of that, um, <laughs> but you got to practice somewhere. So yeah. that's the uh, the best place we had in our living room. Uh, so I did that for the, uh, nothing but net and for Starstruck. Both those years, we actually qualified to Worlds as well. Uh, in the Starstruck season, we focused a lot on the skills challenge. Uh, and for quite some time, we were actually first in the global ranking in skills. And then at Worlds, we placed second in skills. Wow. We got to play in the in the dome, wow. um, which was really cool. That was a lot of a lot of fun, actually. And and the nifty thing about that is we basically ran a fully autonomous driver skills. So we had our our programming skills. And aside from a small few small changes, we just ran programming skills for driver skills. It was quite unique and and surprised a lot of people that that's what we were doing and and scoring what we were with a fully or almost fully autonomous driver skills. That's cool. So this is for which team number again? Yeah, so that was 2188A huh. uh, was our community team. 2188 is no longer around, unfortunately. Um, all of us have moved on since. Ah, I see. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us. So you said you started your own VEX team in high school. Can you tell us a bit more about what that was like and any highlights you remember? Yeah. So I think the way it started was that a couple of us had either participated in, in something like First Lego League before, or we knew about robotics and thought it'd be cool. And we were working with a teacher who was also interested in robotics. And we didn't really know what to do. You know, we looked at a couple different competitions, different ways to do robotics, settled on VEX as, you know, the, the most suitable program, if you will, based on the size of our school, the interests, and so on. And just said, hey, let's start a VEX team. We have no idea what we're doing, um, but let's let's buy some parts, set up a place to work, and just start building robots. So it really started with, with not a whole lot of resources and knowledge behind it. Just a couple of us and a teacher who were really into it and, and put a lot of time into figuring it out. And, and we also definitely could not have done it without working together with some other teams in the area um, who just, you know, helped us out, gave us advice, how to get started, how to, you know, learn specific, learn programming, things like that. And, and we kind of just took it from there and figured, out, figured it out as we went. That's quite cool because this season I actually started my own team as well with a couple of friends. So it's great to hear there's like many teams outside of like actual organizations. Pretty fun. Yeah. You're currently the president of Robosource.net. Tell us a bit about your company and what you do there and why did you start Robosource? Yeah. Robosource actually started at first as a fundraising initiative for that community team mm -hmm. that I mentioned. Myself and a couple of friends, we knew we wanted to start a, a community robotics team, but we didn't know how to pay for it. Um, obviously, you've got to buy parts if you want to build robots. Yeah. And the idea then was to sell a couple of other you know, related products and use the money we make from that to buy VEX parts to build our robots. And that's how it started, really just you know, a pretty low-key fundraising thing. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the, the first RoboSource product, per se, we had was some foam balls. They were foam balls that you'd launch into nets. Um, and, and we figured import some similar balls that teams could use if they didn't need or, or couldn't afford a full field. They could just get a couple of these foam balls from us and use them to practice. Um, and I remember when I, when I first started that, I really had no idea what I was doing. So I found a supplier overseas, placed an order. Um, they shipped it over. 
eventually it got here and then we had to pick it up at the freight at this freight terminal and get it back home you know to where our team was based in my basement um figured it would fit in in both of my parents cars so we drive there to this massive warehouse with our two little cars pouring rain when we get there it's probably the, the most rain we've had all year uh, <laughs> we show up with our cars uh, eventually they start bringing out the boxes to the to the loading dock where we were, and they just keep bringing more boxes. And we're wondering how how many boxes do they have. Well, it turns out the information I had beforehand, you know, how much space it would take up, wasn't quite right. So oh. we had all these boxes um, with our cars backed up with the loading dock. Started trying to fit them in the in the cars. Then eventually we had to open up the boxes. You know, we we're taking out individual balls, stuffing them in all the corners of both the cars. They're completely full of these foam balls. The whole time it's pouring rain. So eventually we we actually don't fit it all and we have to go back again later. But we stuff the cars full of these soaking wet foam balls. And then when we get home, we have to unpack all of them. Um, we had you know towels spread out in various rooms in the house to to spread out all the you know all the products and let them dry. So it was quite a crazy operation. And that was the first RoboSource product. Uh, definitely one I'll remember. And then over time, we kind of just added more things uh, based on what other teams needed, just kept adding products Mm -hmm. and kept growing it over time. Yeah. And then when I went to college to WPI in Massachusetts, I kind of just took the business with me and kept running it. At that time, it was still a very small thing, very low key. So the first uh, robo source location per se was actually based out of a, a storage locker unit. Um, and I had my bicycle with a little luggage carrier rack on the back that I used to take packages to the post office down the street. And then same as before, kind of just added new products and expanded over time. And then where RoboSource is today, kind of as a business, it's actually more than just the VEX related things we do, um, which, you know, most people when they're just looking at website, you know, obviously don't realize that there's the VEX side, but there's also a couple other things we're doing on the business side. And the reason I mentioned that is it puts us in a kind of interesting position where the the back side of the business isn't even that significant right now, but it's kind of passion driven, if you will. I do it because it's fun and I just like, you know, offering products to help other teams and kind of being part of the community, helping others. Um, and even though it's not that significant part of the business, we sort of have the resources that, you know, in terms of logistics and capabilities, manufacturing and so on to support products that, you know, it might be a smaller market on the VEX robotics related product side, but we can still, you know, offer things that might otherwise not make sense without some of the other capabilities we have in place. That's really cool. Fascinating to hear about RoboSource as a company. So you mentioned that this isn't just for VEX parts. Is this like for all the different like first robotics competitions and they can purchase these no matter what competition they're in? Yes, on the robotics competition side, I, I've had a, the, the question from time to time to expand into first robotics. It's you know not a market that we're in right now. There's a, a lot of our products, especially things like plastic sheets that do you know are used in first robotics i know of first robotics teams that buy them from us but aside from vex robotics a lot of what we do is actually plastic sheets so if you think of what you will use it on a vex robot you know a 12 by 24 inch piece mm-hmm. with polycarbonate or abs for example heroes like that we distribute a whole variety of applications yeah i use those a lot on my robot <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So how do you ensure that each of the parts you produce fits within the current regulations, even though they're not official? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question, actually. So RoboSort obviously is not a reseller of X parts. You know, we don't sell any VEX parts and we don't have control over the rules. We kind of just work within the rules and try to offer products that are both competition legal and something helpful. You know, on, on one hand, whenever we're adding new products, um, we're just always diligent to make sure that what we're selling fits within those rules. Obviously, if it's not competition legal, it's not you know, super useful for teams to use. And then we're also updating the information on the website. So if the rules do change and something no longer is competition legal, we always try to keep that information up to date on the website. There are, there are a few things that in, in recent revisions of the rules, for example, aluminum screws are no longer legal. So they're still on the website because we do still have some stock of them. And if somebody wanted to use them for a classroom or for a hobby project, they absolutely can. But there is that information for them to know that it's not competition legal because we just want to be completely transparent and make sure everyone's aware of that. And then also just kind of generally speaking, obviously, like I said, we don't have control over the rules per se. We just kind of work within the competition rules. But I do think that VEX kind of does understand um, that RoboSource is a part of the community, if you will, that a lot of teams rely on to kind of make things easier for them or to support their, their programs. And in a similar sense, I would say that even though there are some products that you could buy the same product from VEX or from RoboSource, we're not really competing with VEX on a business sense, really. The amount of, of products that, you know, there is a one-to-one comparison between is quite small. You know, even on, on our scale, it's pretty small and, and even more insignificant, I would imagine, on, on Vexa scale. Um, and there's also a lot of the products that we sell that are, you know, not even competition legal. Things like tools or robot cases are absolutely helpful for teams to have and, and important to have. But it's not something you put on your robot that's subject to rules that could change. Yeah, a lot of the RoboSource parts are really, really useful. So there's a huge category of products on RoboSource. Uh, which one's your personal favorite? I know my personal favorite is probably the colored screws. They come in really handy. Yeah, so yeah, I would have to agree with you in that one. You know, the, the serious answer to that question would also be that I think the color-coded screws are my, my favorite product. Because for one, they're, they're so simple. It's just painting the screw head mm-hmm. different color for different length, but it's really effective to help sort them. Um, I personally wish I would have had that when I was participating in Vex Robotics. I don't even know how much time I spent or other team members spent sorting through the bucket of screws to find something. And, and I've also talked to a lot of people that really like them as well. I've talked to some people that said they were a little reluctant at first because they think it looks silly having, you know, all these different colored screws on the robots, which is, I can, I can kind of understand that. Um, if you're trying to look, go for a really sleek design robots, the different colors of screws might not quite fit the styling but you know in the end those coaches said they did end up caving into those the color-coded screws and found it a lot more helpful to keep their parts organized on the other side i've also talked to some people at least one team told me they buy the screws based on the color and then they cut them down to the length they need um so (laughs) i'm not sure that's something that i would do (laughs) yeah or something that i would necessarily endorse um, but I, I got a good laugh out of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some people doing it out there. 
Uh, and then the, the the sort of less serious answer for the favorite product, I think, would have to be the Robosaurus. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the Robosaurus idea, it actually kind of started way back when Robosaurus first started, you know, in the early days. Back then, I had some, you know, cheap, crappy cell phone. And whenever I typed Robosaurus, it would autocorrect it to Robosaurus. And it's strange <laughs> because neither of those are, are dictionary words. To be honest, it was kind of annoying. It was a little funny, but it was it was mostly annoying. Uh, and then over time, it was kind of just a bit of a running joke. You know, wouldn't it be funny if we had a Robosaurus mascot? And then one day, I kind of decided, what's stopping from doing this? Nothing. Let's just do it. Let's make a Robosaurus. And honestly, I think it's probably the best idea I've had. <laughs> um, people just really like them. It's when we bring them to events and hand them out, we always run out, especially with the a lot of the younger students are huge fans of them as well. You know, there was one event I was at um, a little while back, a girl-powered workshop, where they um, were handing out a couple of robo-sources to encourage students to ask questions after presentation. You know, it usually is when there's, you know, some sort of talk or presentation. No one really wants to go up and ask a question after. It's kind of awkward. Um, but you should have seen this within, you know, before you could even look, half the room was lining up to to ask a question uh, to try and get a robo source. So, yeah, they're always fun. Uh, people seem to like them. Yeah, I have one sitting on my bed right now. <laughs> yeah, the robo source is very cute. But robo source is continuing to grow in popularity. So what are some of your ideas for the future of robo source? Yeah, so we're always kind of just trying to add new products that teams help. That's really just our goal to to offer things that are helpful for teams, you know, for students and coaches to just make things easier, um, help them build robots, help them organize. And and one of the things that we're working on right now is kind of a storage system for VEX parts. Um, it's still a little, little while out. It's in the early developments. So I'm excited about that one. Similarly, if anyone has any requests, ideas, things they'd really like to see, uh, shoot us a message, shoot, shoot us an email. Um, we're always looking for ideas and would love to make something happen. Uh, and then one other new product, it's actually a little bit of a secret if I can let, let you two and anybody listening in uh, on that secret. Actually, I haven't, I haven't really told anyone yet. Some of the, the RoboSource team don't even know about this one. Um, we're working on, an, on a new uh, RoboSource team member, a mini RoboSource perhaps. So uh, maybe in December there'll be there'll be something interesting coming up. You'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and maybe it, it might even be a free offer in December. We'll have to see. We'll see. Maybe I'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> that is very fascinating. <laughs> but this is the part of the podcast where we ask each guest about their favorite moment of robotics of all. It can be while competing or while like in your case, doing RoboSource. What's your favorite part of your journey? I was thinking about it earlier, and there's just a lot of things, you know, robot designs, tournaments, things that went wrong, you know, friends you make along the way, milestones. And, and you know, earlier today, I was looking through a couple of photos, and, and, and it's just cool to kind of look back at some of these mem- memories and, and, and remember what you did with, you know, your robotics experience. I think it's kind of different for everyone. Robotics is really, you know, you get out of it, whatever you want to put into it. Um, some people might, you know, take a, a class at their school. Uh, some people might make it their life for a year or, or four years at their t- at a time or even more. But, you know, whatever you do, 
I think it's really about just having fun because at the end of the day, that's what you'll remember and that's what you'll enjoy. You know, you don't need to win worlds. You don't need to make it to worlds. You don't need to win anything. But as long as you have 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 fun and enjoy it and and whatever that may look like for you, I think that's the part that really counts and that you'll you'll really enjoy and remember looking back. Yeah, for sure. I think the moments where you're having fun, those are the best ones. So what advice would you give to the people listening to this podcast? Yeah, so there's a, a couple of things I would recommend. The first one is really just to be creative. Try new designs. Don't be afraid to fail. Do something different. And that's kind of what I did when I was competing in, in VEX. I always did something different. I never did you know, the standard cookie cutter robot design for that year. Uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, I remember one match in Skyrise, we had a robot that instead of a lift, it would just with rubber bands expand upwards at the start of the match mm-hmm. and stay at full height. Uh, and one match, something went wrong and the thing went flying out sideways and nearly took out the referee. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, looking back, it's pretty funny. I, I tell you, during that match, it sure was not funny uh, worrying about whether we're going to get disqualified for nearly taking out the ref. You know, nothing but net. When everyone was doing flywheels, we did a, a, a double puncher design. Um, it worked well. It didn't work quite as well as the flywheels, but it was still something different. And it was cool. Um, in Starstruck, we did some massive, you know, four foot wide forks instead of a claw. Uh, they were really impractical in a match. We actually had a smaller version. We switched out for matches um, mm-hmm. versus the massive ones we used for skills. Um, but again, it was it was cool. It, none of these designs were something that would, you know, win worlds, but people remember them. People like them. Judges like them. And to be honest, it's a whole lot more fun and a lot more rewarding to do something different than, than just the cookie cutter design. So just try it out do something different would be my suggestion. Another thing I would say, don't underestimate strategy and planning and how important it is, both when you're designing a robot, going with the theme of doing something different, but also at tournaments and in matches. Bad, bad robots can do well in matches. Uh, I mean, if your robot doesn't move, maybe not, but I, I should maybe say, you know, me, mediocre robots can outperform really strong robots with good strategies. Definitely, yeah. um, I remember one match, this was probably my favorite match that I that I played in toss-up. That game that year, there was a bump that crossed the field. So what we did, um, our team, the whole match, we, we did nothing but trapping uh, 3560Z behind that bump. Uh, it was such a simple strategy, but it let our partner play 1v1 while we just kept 3560Z in the corner so they couldn't use their robot to score points. And, and that was pretty cool seeing that work out and, and what you can do with strategy. And another thing I would really suggest for teams and both new teams and experienced teams and their coaches is getting together with some other teams and, and scrimmaging and playing some matches is really cool because playing with other robots is so different than just practicing by yourself on a field. Uh, maybe share a couple ideas or a couple, you know, strategy thoughts about the game, but you know, you still got to keep some secrets at the end of the day, you're still competing against one another when you go to competition. Um, but having that sense of community is, is really helpful. And, and both in terms of practicing with the robot itself, but just getting to know people. My team and, and a couple of others in our community would go to, there was an annual event called Midnight Madness in our town. Businesses and, and, and community groups would show what they're doing. So we'd set up a field, you know, out on the street in, in downtown and play some matches, 
it's kind of fun actually when you're doing these sorts of demos because you can you can bend the rules a little bit you can make some strats to look cool you know when it's not about winning and it's about impressing other people it's it's kind of fun uh, when you can really show off what your robots do and 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 put a little bit of planning to that but I would say you know just get out there in your community and, and show other people you know it's not just about building the robot it's about sharing what you do and and that kind of also leads into the last point like I mentioned earlier. I think the most important thing is to just have fun with it, to be honest. A couple of years when you, when you likely moved on from robotics and, and are doing whatever you may be doing then, um, the things you're going to look at back at are what you had the most fun with and, and the really good experiences you had. You know, who cares if you ranked this spot in the tournament um, or even if you won an award? It's, it's really awesome to win awards, but, you know, a couple of years down the road, what you really remember and what you really get the most out of it is the things you enjoy. So just have fun with it. That would be my advice. Yeah. That's some pretty great advice. Unfortunately, though, that brings us to the end of the first episode on The Drive Team. Thank you so much for being our first guest, Kevin. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun chatting and I'd love to be back anytime. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you today. That was Kevin Bonish, former VEX Robotics Competition competitor and founder and president of Robosource.net. Kevin's journey went from being a normal competitor to the president of a recognized brand, providing teams all over the world with robot parts and tools. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of this show. Remember to follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you won't miss any future updates. We'll have a new episode coming every two weeks. That's it for now, and thank you for joining us on The Drive Team.